This is a new podcast series called Clarity Generates Confidence. Welcome to uh, season one. This is episode seven of Clarity Generates Confidence. We have, it's a special day today. We're going to have a special guest speaker, Jonathan Mansilla. And it's really interesting that John has joined us because he asked us a question. He said, how do you know when it is the right time to transition your side hustle into your permanent full-time business? And this has come about because we're in um, Johnny's studios here in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. And uh, he's been listening to all of these. And uh, he really, he's really he been asking some questions after listening to us. And so we thought this would be a great opportunity to bring him in and get his perception of what we've done and perspective. But also, what else? He had this good question about a side hustle that he says he's got going, but we'll let him explain it. And uh, how do you turn it into a business? So, Jonathan, good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes. So, uh, I've always been super passionate about music, um, and it's always been everything I did in my spare time. Um, even when I was younger, I would I would like record my friends, and I would do everything for free. Um, just building up my experience and building up my repertoire. And then a weird thing happened that was like a crucial moment within the business where it wasn't even a business. And some people just started reaching out and saying, oh, would you mix my song? Oh, would you master my song? You know, and they would say that and be like, I'll actually pay you. And I was like, what? Like, you'll actually pay me to do this? And I was like, all right, sure. And then slowly I started getting a bit more and more projects. And then I was like, I remember I was in college and then I was like, you know, I actually want to like, let's make a website. Let's start kind of formalizing it a bit more. Um, and then now I've gotten to the point where I still have, I still have a day job, but like the hours are starting to get way more balanced. Um, so now I'm in that pivotal moment where I'm like, I'm not sure when's the right time to take the step to go full time. Cause that is a really, really huge step, right? Because you need to have always the pipeline full, like as you, as you should know, cause you're full time in your business. But, um, yeah. How, how do you think I should deal with that? Like, do you know when you get a sense of when is the right timing or do you think you should be making exactly the same amounts or as you do in your day job? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, that's, those are really good questions. I think a lot of people str- struggle with that. And I would one thing I would say is sometimes we put too much emphasis on the money. Uh, and, and I've seen many people in my coaching days who I have, have what they call the golden handcuffs. They make really good money, but they don't really like what they do. And I think that's unfortunate because that's another form of prison. There's been a cute little ad out uh, by H&R Block right now. It's tax season, and, uh, and we recorded this. And uh, this woman's sitting there handing his tax returns back to him and says, Our, what's your status at full-time employment? He goes, well, not all prisons have bars. Some have casual Fridays. Oh, she goes, you're getting a refund. And go, you know, the whole thing stops. You go look at it. He draws you right into it because here's this guy. He's, you know, he's certainly not a bum or anything like that, but he's a jacket on and a shirt. and um, But he's just in a job that he's not very happy about. And so... To me, it really becomes the, the money is, is part of it, but the other part of it is doing what you're passionate about, doing what you're really excited about. And then my, my f- belief in what I've seen over time is, is that if people do follow their passion, then they also uh, have a way of generating 
the income that they need, probably more than they would have out of their day job, because the day job is limited in the sense to time and effort, whereas your, your, your passion isn't limited that way. And before I go on, I apologize. I did not introduce Kim Lemon is with us this morning, as always. So, Kim, thank you for being with us today. She sets all these things up, um, and, and she may have a couple of thoughts. So maybe before I bring John in, um, Kim, you have any thoughts about what Jonathan's asked us here this morning? Hi, Gary. Yeah, thanks for the introduction. Um, I do. I guess my first question, I was just wondering, um, did the GCP start out as a side project? Yeah, as, as a matter of fact, it did, <laughs> um, surprisingly enough, because back when I was pulling this together, I could see that there was, I could see there was an opportunity uh, for this business, and but I didn't know any of the people. I'm 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 an organizer. I set things up. I create the I create the program, and I don't always go do all the the selling for it. So that was a challenge. So I had a, a partner at the time. And uh, he was the one that was going to do introduce some of the customers and was going to do the selling. And I loved coaching, so following my passion, as we we're just talking about with you, Jonathan. And so I had my my other company called Spark Inc. And uh, that was what's called Focus and Ignite Your Energy. That's what my, the byline was for it. And so I was doing that with a company called Strategic Coach, which I still am more than twenty years later. And I thought I'd do this more full time. I thought, wow, I could do this. And so I thought I'd let Tony go away and run this project, GCP, for a while. And uh, what I realized after a while is he, his ethics on doing things weren't the same as mine. The relationships in China were mine. I didn't want him screwing those things up. And so when I looked at the situation, I kind of go, oh, what do I do? China's here right now. Um, it's now in 1999, 2000. Uh, I felt this was the opportunity as I've talked about before, catching the wave. And I felt there was always time to coach. There was always time. People would need coaching no matter what, whether they needed 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. And as time's pointed out, that's been absolutely true. But the opportunity with China was right then. So yes, Kim, a long story to say. I took the, the side hustle and I said, now I've got to make something of it. Um, neither one of them uh, were making me much money. And as I said before, I was in my late 40s. I think GCP paid me $12,000 when I was 50 years old. Uh, most people are at the top of their earnings at that point in time. And I'm kind of going, all right, if I wasn't doing some coaching, I wouldn't have been able to, to keep everything going. But I realized that I, my goal was still to help people. My goal was still to make the world a better place at that point in time. It still is. We just refined it to say that my purpose is helping people and organizations grow. So... I felt that was the opportune time to go and do that. There wasn't, so for me, when you asked the question, John, when you asked the question about what's the right time to side hustle, sometimes you don't always know, but you absolutely get to the point where you're frustrated in one spot and you need to get to the other. And so in my case, I had this company called GCP Industrial Products, and now I had to go make something of it. It was and I felt there was an opportunity, and I also believed that I could put it together. So, um, so I, I don't, I've never thought of it so much, Kim, as a side project or a side hustle, but it was. And I let Tony go ahead and run this thing for a while when it became the fact that he was entertaining, entertaining but embarrassing to our people in China. I said, I better take this back over again. I don't want this to happen. And that's when I, we pulled it all together uh, after that. But it, uh, yeah, in, in the end it was but it was the opportunity. It was also 
something I really, really wanted to do. And I also felt there was a good, there was a good opportunity for income, but I, it wasn't there yet. So that was really how it happened with me. I guess it's always a little bit of a risk, but then it's always positive to think that there's no time in your life where you can't start something new. Yes, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we've told the story, and I always like to recall it, that uh, Colonel Sanders didn't start Kentucky Fried Chicken until he was 65 years old. So uh, I, I think it's only over when you say it's over. Yeah, it's, That's the only time that it's over. So uh, I just don't, and I also, you know, you got to believe that you can make something happen. I think that's the biggest part. And if, if you believe in yourself, then others will believe in you. So that's the challenge. So, you know, John, coming back to your situation, is if if you believe it and you want to make it work, that's what shines. That's what comes through. That's what, you know, passion is. And I'm, I'm always relate this. I'm not a huge television watcher, but I do like to watch like the reality shows. I'll watch The Voice and I'll watch um, American Idol and, and other things just because not... I love the music one. I love to see the young kids coming along, but I like to see how they pick them and they and they pick the people because of the passion, the pain that they have or the grit or the growl or whatever they whatever they bring into it because that's what moves people. Just singing and having a voice isn't the isn't the be all and end all. It's how people do it and what they bring across. And I always relate that back to business. It's really no different in business. You want to have that passion. People are moved by that. You know, the passion and the purpose by which you do things. And they can tell, you know, the reason the reason we're here in your studio is because we've done it before in our own place, but we felt it would be far better with you and your talents to come and put this together. And and so far we're enjoying that experience. And I think you're enjoying that experience. And I'll turn this back over to you in a moment. And so that we believe that this is going to be better as a result of that. There's a cost to it. But that cost, we believe, is worth the return. And those are judgments we always make. So, Kim, one last thing. You talked about risk. And it's known that or accepted that entrepreneurs take risk. Well, I've asked that question many, many times to probably more than 1,000 people who are entrepreneurs. And I asked it, I asked it this way. I said, if you thought you were going to fail, would you have started? And they all say, no, we never thought we were going to fail. So I said, then do you really take a risk? So from an entrepreneur's perspective, I don't think entrepreneurs take risks from their own viewpoint. Other people may think it is a big risk. My wife has thought what I do is a big risk in life, and I, I get that because it goes up and down, and we're seeing how that's happening. But if we all thought it was a big risk, I don't think we'd do it. So I think an entrepreneur just had a different way of looking at that. So maybe that comes back to your question about a side hustle. So, John, what, what do you think about this? Yeah, no, um, I think that's a really good point. And I never really saw it that way where where you think entrepreneurs don't really risk it as long as they believe. And I think the ones that really don't make it, they never had the belief from the start, I think from the get-go. And that kind of translated in everything they do. You know, I think if you do have that certainty that, okay, you know, I can make this full-time, I can make this kind of like my main source of income and, and kind of like that way, um, I think just having that belief is something that's going to really, really come in handy. Um, that brings me to another question that I was really curious. Um, once you start scaling the business and you actually start bringing on employees, what's the one characteristic you look for 
when bringing on someone into your company? Because I think that's something that would be really beneficial for me to kind of know. Uh, so what's the one characteristic? The first thing I think you want to look at is that you want to look at those things that you're not very happy about doing. So what is it that causes you frustration? And I'll, I'll go back to my very early days when I was first bringing people on in GCP. And we got an order. Wow, you get great. We get this order. And then we, my assistants at the time, Brenda and I were trying to process this thing. And it actually took us two days to figure it out to do one order. Well, we're doing 40 to 50 orders a month now. I mean, and uh, shipping them and all the information that goes along with it. So we were just taking two days to do getting it in, let alone managing it. So I go, I'm not going to do this. One, I'm not very good at doing this. So now the first thing you look at is who has the skill to be able to do that? Yeah. I went along a little bit further and I had one of our biggest customers say that I was, that GCP was difficult to do business with. I realized the only person they were dealing with was me. So I said, that means the customer service. I'm terrible at customer service. So I said, I got to get out of that. I got to find somebody who's really interested in doing that. So mostly being really well uh, aware of you, aware of who you are and what it is that causes you that frustration or it doesn't go smoothly, takes you away from the things that you love to do. And then you find those people who can bring that uh, talent in for you. Awesome. So I guess you're saying basically to hire out the parts that you're not the best at, right? And finding someone that kind of suits that role. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think, you know, Kim, you've been with uh, GCP for a little while now. And uh, you know, you've come in and carved out a, there's a spot, but you've carved out a role for you based upon your unique abilities. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just being there, I think it's eight months now. I, you know, you do start out with a job description, but you formulate it as you go along. You find out what suits you better, especially with the company, because you could could have done a job similar with another company, but just the way it's structured and works and the people you work with, you kind of find out what what best suits you in the role itself. So yeah, coming into the marketing department, I do, um, a job description had a wide variety of avenues, SEO management, social media, and outside marketing. But I do really like the graphic design part of it. I find that's kind of what I'm good at, a unique, unique ability. Uh, I also love doing the social media. So it's been even just going to the Strategic Coach Conference, uh, it was two weeks ago, to just to really narrow down just that in itself, the unique ability they go over. So we do a list of maybe 100, 200 things of what we do in the day and we narrow it right down to what we love to do. Um, so having the opportunity to narrow it down and kind of focus in this business has been wonderful. So I can focus on exactly what I'm passionate about. Let me give you an example of what we found in, in Kim, John, coming out. We used to do a, a newsletter, internal newsletter. And so we had someone in the marketing department and that position's had a bit of turnover partially, I think, you got to understand what to define for a role too. We can come to that. Yeah. So, in this case, uh, the predecessor to Kim didn't didn't have any great interest in doing that, and as a result, we never put anything out. So Kim said, "Well, we're not going to do it monthly. It was done before. We'll do it every two months, which was her choice, and it's been phenomenal. I mean, what's been done, and she picked up picked that up, put it together, put it in place. Even so, my daughter, who does some work with us as our health coach. Uh, said, hey, let me show you the old ones compared to the new ones and uh, and completely different because that's a particular talent that we knew that Kim had to, as she talked about the graphic work and being able to pull it all together. And we all look forward to it coming out. And what's nice is it's not 
all the time either. So there's enough time and enough content that Kim can go and do that. But so what happens is that even though you hire somebody to do a specific job, they're going to bring their talents in as well. And you hope that that, that old expression synergy works, that one plus one equals three, because they you don't see everything that a person brings. You bring some other talent to it. And I'd say we're seeing that today is that we had no expectation at all that you would be a perfect guest for us on the Clarity Generates Pod, uh, Confidence Podcast. So you, do, you are, and because you, you're you in that role. So yeah. you never know what's going to happen. So we've hired you in a sense. It doesn't have to be always full-time. That's the other thing that people don't recognize. We're looking for specific talents. We're looking for passion. It doesn't have to be full-time positions, particularly in today's world, on the ability to work across the net. Um, so... That's and so that's the reason why we have have this today. So I hope we're not getting off your topic today. <laughs> no, it's amazing. No, that's exactly what I wanted to know. Um, that brings me to my next point. When is when is it time to let someone go? I think that's something that's I haven't had to do that yet because I'm still so like early in that process where I just have like um, like an intern and I'm just hiring on two video interns as well. But I think that would be really important for me to know, like when is a sign, how much time do you give them? Um, is it only about uh, technicalities, like about skill or, or like I bet attitude has a lot of, to do with it as well. Like what's your perspective on that? Well, to me, attitude's number one. Uh, fit is most important. I think today we have so many talented people and so many talented young people today that you can find that talent. And the other aspect about talent is They've got an attitude, but also they need to be able to learn. So we look at GCP as being having a learning culture. So giving Kim the opportunity and others to go and expand their own their own skills, their own interests to take on projects that maybe we didn't have there and let them be beneficial, such as the internal newsletter that we talked about is one of those things that happened that way. So when do you let somebody go? Well, attitude clearly, uh, because... It's no different. It's like one rotten apple can spoil the barrel, right? Yes. 100%. So you have that whole smell about all the things or a bad grape or whatever it might be. You're going to go picking through them all because one affects the other. So you want to you want to look at that. The other one, and learning is the second one. If they're not willing to learn, not willing to grow, not willing to listen, okay, that's a problem. And I, I think also in today's world, something that's important is their willingness to try, to try new things, to try and take in different ways of working. And if that's not working, then they're not going to be a good fit. Okay. So I have this expression that I'm, I always live by various expressions over time. I put these things together is that there your difference between a motivator and a manager. So it depends on who you are. Most of us are not great managers. And to me, managing people is, is getting them to do the things they're not really good at pushing them to do that. Whereas motivating is encouraging people who already do them well to do them better. And I'm a motivator, not a manager. So if I have to manage somebody, then I kind of go, I don't need them. Hmm. That's too much work. Okay. And so that's, that's one of the things that I look at. If I have to go and manage a situation, then I will take it a couple of times. But after that, I kind of go, well, if they're not the right fit person to be here, then why are we spending so much time doing that? It's taking it away from the work that we love to do. 
See, when you hire somebody, it's all about freedom. Mm, okay. And your freedom. Yeah. So when we hire somebody, it's got to free me up. We didn't do the podcast before. We didn't do the writing of the books before because we weren't freed up. Kim's coming in and allowing me to do that. We've hired a writer to help write a book. So that frees me up that I can do the things that I like to do. So when you look at hiring somebody, coming back to your first point, is that does it free me up? Does it allow me to do the things I love to do? Does it keep me out of the things that I don't really like to do very well? And if they can do it with real positive attitude and learning attitude, now it's fun. Mm-hmm. And work should be fun. See, work's a four-letter word. We don't like four-letter words. We want to get rid of the four-letter words and go to three words. <laughs> you know, is uh, there's an expression from a gentleman named Joe Polish, who's an absolutely phenomenal marketer and world connector, who I know. Um, and he has things, make it like elf, easy, lucrative, and fun. And so you, what you want to do is make sure you're staying in the work that's easy for you. That's where it's also lucrative. It can be rewarded. And it's got to be fun. We don't like to do hard work. The challenge is we've rewarded ourselves and the whole school system has set ourselves up to reward ourselves for hard work and what we've been able to overcome. Well, there's enough challenges as an entrepreneur you need to overcome. Don't make your work more difficult than it needs to be. So for you, at this point, you go, well, if you can continue doing both things that you do and you love doing both things and you can work it out time-wise, great. Okay. However, there's a big difference when you finally make a commitment. And if you can bring people on part-time, some interns and some others to do things, you can get a chance to experiment with that and get comfortable um, while you're having your income. Uh, and that's just, you want to be learning the whole time. Yeah. You want to be understanding. And don't, just like in hiring people, you, you might hire the right ones first, but then again, you might not. It doesn't mean you stop. It's, we are either winning or we're learning. Mm, don't make true. it losing. And we've talked about that before. If we, the only time we lose is when we stop learning from a situation. And so when everything's happening, even your recordings or work that you do and people that you work with, if it hasn't worked the way you wanted it to, how do you learn from that? Hmm. And that's the most important part. So from people or activities that you do, pay attention. Pay attention to how you feel when you're doing certain activities. And if you need to, make note of it so that you can come back and follow the ones that you like. So I think, Kim, that probably still even applies to you when you think of what things you, in your role, what you like to do and what are, are more of a struggle for you. Yeah, um, it does for sure. There are things that I do that are still something that's in a work in progress. And uh, just so, like for certain, let me think of an example here. Uh, I do have a background in web design but to actually code and build one from scratch is still a bit of a struggle for me. Uh, I am, thanks to GCP, taking a UX design beginner course, just a two-day course, just to get an idea of how a user interacts with our websites. Uh, because we do have a lot of new websites coming forward, uh, GCP, the actual website itself, uh, hopefully it's, we're going to have the launch in May. That's our expected date. We are focusing on another brand, Rubitex, and that is a project that's going to be a big one for me uh, once it gets up and running. So taking a course, the UX design course, is going to be amazing for that to see how, yeah, just how everyone's going to interact with the site itself and give me a good site plan to work with. So that is definitely a big step, a big step in my career and a learning experience. So every day is, is a challenge. 
Mm, that's awesome. Yeah, so, so as Kim talked about, there's there's things we need to get through, there's things we need to learn, and that maybe isn't always as much fun. I won't always say everything is fun because it's, it's clearly not. Uh, but if you can go through that process like you are, Kim, or you, John, to get to a spot that you want to be in. And so, no, you won't have to do all the design. You won't have to create the website, but you'll understand how it works and what needs to go in there. And that will be really valuable for us and valuable for you without having to do all that the coding work. We wouldn't expect that. I don't think so anyway. No, no, not the coding itself. Uh, but it just uh, so we before we do a lot of work into actual website building, we can preemptively see how people are going to use it. So we can focus on how the site is going to be utilized instead of just putting a whole ton of information out there that no one's going to use and then kind of wasting our time and going back again. So we get a good head start. Okay, John, so let's come back to you. I don't know that we've really answered the first question. How do you, what do you, when is it time, right time to turn your side hustle into a, into a full-time piece? So we've talked, we've talked a lot and hopefully it's been valuable, but is it worth coming back to that question now and revisiting that one before we finish up today? Yeah, 100%. I think this has given me a lot of clarity in in kind of there's really no wrong way as long as you're enjoying what you're doing and you have the commitment and the belief that everything's going to pan out for the best. Um, I think especially with the hiring and all that, that was really good advice because that's something where I've, I've, I feel like I'm starting to get to a point where I'm like, I'm kind of seeing, okay, what, what kind of characteristics do I have to look for, right? And that type of thing. Well... And the other part that I think that happens is that when you're doing more than one activity, you begin to find that you naturally gravitate to one over the other. Let's just say it's two. If you're doing multiple things, there's still one that you're going to gravitate to. And that when you're doing the others, they become frustrating. At the beginning, it's a low level of frustration. And as, as both activities carry on together, ones are going to become more increasingly more frustrated, mm -hmm. frustrating for you. And you'll feel like you're taking time away. So it's most important is to say that when you're doing the thing that you love to do, if you love being involved in the recording studio as you do, that you, you feel that when you're there, that's the right place. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm in the right place at the right time. And when you're doing the others, your mind always may be coming back to the studio. Hmm. And you kind of go, well, now you're conflicted. Not badly conflicted in a sense, but just mentally conflicted. And so, well, we don't work as well when we're conflicted as opposed to when we're committed and focused on that. So as this begins to go, um, you can be in a situation where you can feel that the con internal conflict that you have or the frustration you have is building and the other is more rewarding and more rejuvenating for you. You feel like you're providing a better value. So allow yourself to learn about that. Also, I'll say, it's not like it's going to be, uh, some people have it, but I don't see it very often as it's an easy transition. So oh, I'm making enough money here that I can give up the other one. You know, you might have to be making that little bit of leap, you know, Kim talking about risk, that's where the risk is. <laughs> yeah. That's where the risk comes in, <laughs> that I have to believe, like coming back, I have to believe mm -hmm. I'm going to make it and I'm going to have to give up some, some income, potentially, in order to have a greater opportunity. So that's what... I ask everyone who's listening to be really be aware of that in themselves. That's where we say everybody's got the entrepreneur in them, but they don't necessarily bring it out because they allow barriers to be in place. Either the mm -hmm. barriers that this is what somebody says, this is what they're supposed to do, or there's a, a barrier 
of uh, income or there's a, a barrier figuring out where their passion is. And I just want people to be happy. And I think if, we, if everyone worked in their unique ability, everybody worked where they had passion, what a world would we be in, right? Yeah. It'd be phenomenal. Well, I think, too, it's very interesting because I feel like a lot of people ever since a young age, most people, I think the way society kind of gets them is kind of like, no, you can't really make money with what you love. You have to go into accounting or go into a specific field or that type of thing. So I think when the reality broke for me, when I actually got my first gig, even if it was only like $50 or something, right, it was just kind of like, like the glass broke. And I was just like, whoa. Like, I didn't know this was an actual thing, <laughs> you know? It's kind of crazy. Well, it, it's really, it's crazy, but when you, and it's scary too, because when people, somebody's going to pay me, they're going to pay me for me, not for all the other things that I do. I turn out a piece of paper or I turn out a spreadsheet or I turn out something else. They're going to pay me for me. That's scary. It's also really, really rewarding when you realize that then people do value what you say and I've had I've experienced that a lot when I was first asked if I would be a coach you know almost 25 years ago I go well I've been sitting in the room with everybody and now I'm going to stand at the front how, how do I feel that I'm how can I justify <laughs> myself that yeah. I can stand at the front and be paid for this well um, 3,000 people later and almost 24 years later uh, you realize that yeah, maybe it wasn't just a fluke, or maybe it wasn't a flash in the pan, or maybe you weren't faking it until you made it, or whatever, all the expressions you can think about, because you actually do that. And and over time, and you probably already experienced it, and Kim's beginning to experience it now, is that people do appreciate what you do. Mm -hmm. And we're always taught to do something. So be an accountant, so I'm going to run numbers, or be a lawyer, I'm going to make up you know, contracts and agreements, or be a doctor and practice as the medicine. Whatever or dentist, you know that there's a that's that skill. I'm an engineer by training, so I'm going to you know design this or put this chemical process together. That's what we feel we got paid for. The reality is we get paid for who we are. Hmm. That's what we get paid for. How we think about things, how we do, how we help other people, and that's we don't get taught that. We get taught this skill as a technician. We get taught to. That's what we're supposed to sell. I think the world of an, of an entrepreneur is that you've now figured out a particular skill. You know, John, what it is you love to do. And when you do that, are you better at it now than you did when you first started? Oh, yeah. yeah. Can a you, lot better. Can you, do you think you can get better still? Oh, yes. So much to learn still. <laughs> That's where you know when there's this long runway in front of you that you're not going to run out of. And, you know, just like Kim, Kim said, there's other people that can code better than you and that's not the intent that you can code but the ideas they'll never come up with the ideas they need us to come up with the ideas and so knowing how it works that's perfect but not having to do it is even better okay so you find yourself at that kind of situation do you ever think about work being here in the studio when you're doing your your main hustle i'll call it that way um yeah sometimes i do feel that um i think another strange thing for me is in, in my full time, there's certain parts of it that I really don't like. And there's certain parts where I really enjoy, um, like some of the admin tasks and, and that type of thing is where I'm kind of like drifting to the studio and that type of thing. But when I have to do presentations or I'm dealing with other clients or networking events, 
that that kind of lights me up as well too because I think I, I really I thrive in a social situation where I kind of have to kind of get to know people and and that type of thing so it's kind of a balance but yeah like the studio thing is kind of what I'm always like on go thinking of what to do next like what other clients I, I can get and that type of thing you know well, you know, I, I think there's a lot to what we call the gig economy now, like an engagement style economy. And that, so if you could just do some of those presentations or some of the customer activities in the main uh, role that you currently have, and then have time in the studio, would that be okay? Yeah. Because you you're still in a, you're still in a performing type of category. And so those, those two things, if they could operate side by side, would have to take a reduced income you know, from the main gig and then while well, we build up the other one. And it also takes somebody who's understanding uh, of, of how you're going to work as opposed to being a full-time person. But I actually think that there's a great opportunity for people today that didn't exist even 10 years ago and certainly 15 years ago to work for multiple companies, but just bring their skill. Mm. They don't have to bring their whole body and their whole physical piece in there now, but we, we never thought about having lawyers on staff all the time or accountants on staff all the time. They're only hired when we need them. Yeah. So, well, why not other skills? What are other skills that we have that we can't use that way? And so I think people can actually become an entrepreneur in that sense by just practicing the things they really love to do. The Internet's a great tool for being able to market out there. There are many companies that now offer virtual assistance and virtual work that way to give you an opportunity to expose yourself to it where you don't have to be doing the stuff you don't like to do. That yeah. did not exist very much five years ago and uh, certainly not 10 years ago. Today that's there. So perhaps, you know, people can begin to think about taking what they love to do and getting their skills up on the, the, the net with another company and, uh, and get, in, get engagements that way that allow them to get themselves started and figure what they really love to do. There's still a point that you come to that you have to say, I gotta cut this off, I gotta decide. And yeah. decide is, is just to kill off. And once you kill that off, all sorts of great things happen because now everybody knows you're committed. True, that's awesome. <laughs> Gary, do you have a, a number one tip that you can give people that would are, are thinking of starting, transitioning to their full-time side hustle in the next year or so? That, that question almost, to me, lends itself to having a really technical answer, but it's not. It's, it's an, for me, it's an emotional answer. And it, you have to get over the fact that you might fail, and you have to believe that you're going to be successful, that people really value what you do. And so it, it's almost like when, again, I, as I say, I watch the shows, and um, you see people being advised before they get up onto the stage, and they said, one, you have to really believe that you belong there. So even if you've never sung in front of somebody else before, when you come in to do that audition, you just have to believe that you belong there. And that's what sells. So to me is you have to believe that you belong in the spot that you're going to put yourself into. If you don't, then find out what you need to do to strengthen that. Or as in most people's cases, they'll never do it because they don't have that belief. And, and I think that self-belief is, is so crucial. And there may be many, many reasons why we don't have that. And not everybody will have that. But they have, you have to get over the fear and get into that self-belief. So that's, the, that's what I say. And if you need to 
move it along step by step as we talk about having a side hustle and building it or I start working with other people and you start getting the positive feedback, you start hearing the applause, I will say, and uh, you like hearing the applause, then you move in that direction and be aware of yourself. But the first step is I have to believe that that what I'm that I one I love what I do and secondly that other people will feel that it'd be valuable for them. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with starting small. I do know um, Uptown Waterloo, a lot of the new restaurants that came about, the guys, I talked to them how they started, and they started off even with a franchise, something they weren't too passionate about, but they went into it with a sibling or a friend. Um, I know uh, at, um, in Aberb, Uptown Waterloo is exactly how they started. They opened up Cora's in Waterloo Town Square, and it was a hit. They got a lot of revenue from it, opened up one Aberb. Now they have how many locations? Four? That's that's Rob, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Rob, Rob was my uh, daughter's uh, math tutor. Oh. So we knew when he was a math tutor even before he opened up Chorus. So yeah, so he was even doing oh, wow. some smaller gigs even Small before world. then. Small world. It's incredible. Not, it's, not a, it's not a big place we live in. So yeah, so and, I, and again, perfect. I think that's a great example. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you brought that one up. It's a great restaurant. It We're delicious. checking it out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one in air looks pretty big. Haven't been to that one yet. And, and, but it was fascinating to see that and how they went through that. So they learned from having the franchise, as you say, got out of the franchise and then got into their own and put their own together. And uh, I think he and his brother were the ones that set that up. Yeah, it was. So, uh, but again, I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated because I, I watch those things where I have the opportunity to. So, yeah. So, John, where's your thinking now as we get our way through this? I think this was super valuable. Um, I've been truly honored to be able to sit in on all these podcast episodes and really listen deep with the headphones and everything and be able to listen back while I'm editing. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be part of this journey and I, I'm, I'm excited to continue doing the, the podcasts. Yeah, so, it brings a lot of value. So when you think about that is what does it put into your mind? You, Kim, you asked me the question, what's, what's the one thing I need to do? So what's the one thing for you now as you go forward? Because I think you're, your perception of this for you is valuable to people that are listening. Going forward, yeah, I think I just have to have the un the one hundred percent the belief that it can happen, and that the way things are going, since things have been picking up a lot more, um, it's starting to become more like you said. You know, when one's kind of like pushing the other, and then I think in the past I've, I've always kind of wanted to do it but i still didn't have enough clients or any kind of sign that was really like oh you know what i need to do this so i was like all right let's build up the proof that there's actually clients there because i know i even had a friend that he wanted to go full-time in his business he quit his job everything but he hadn't even gotten his first client so then when he did he didn't have the motivation he was just um, eating pizza all day and just kind of watching TV. And then he ran out of all his savings and then he just went back to work, right? Um, so I think you do have to have kind of like the drive and at least a bit of proof that what you're offering has value. And, and I think you bring up a really good point is that don't go from something, go to something. So if you're unhappy, yes. if you're unhappy in your work, it doesn't mean you actually want to be an entrepreneur, find another job if that's the case. But if you're unhappy because you've got something else that you're really passionate about, so you go to something. I always very really conscious of people. If you leave something behind, make sure you know what you're going to. And so I feel that even for people who are getting, you know, closer to retirement, just because you want to get out of your job, what are you going to? Because retirement's another structure as well. So I don't 
I mean, it's a little bit outside of this context, but still, what do you want to go to? Yeah. Not what you want to go from. And uh, I feel that's really, really important. So if you've got something to go to, your friend maybe wanted to get out of something, I don't know, but he didn't necessarily go to something that he was really passionate about. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Kim, anything else that we need to uh, do to wrap up today? I think we covered a lot. I just want to say thank you to Jonathan for joining us today. It has been wonderful. And uh, for everyone to check out uh, your website, johnnystudios.com. Did I get that right? Yep. J-O-N-Y studios.com. Yeah. Great. And uh, GCP Industrial Products, we do have our website. But like I said, we have one coming out in May, our new revamped one. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we're so excited to share that new look and feel uh, with everyone. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you, Kim. We really appreciate that. Uh, this was really exciting for us to do as well. So thank you. Thanks.